StravaCraft coffee is rich CBD-infused coffee that you can purchase in K-cups for your Keurig. You can get it whole bean or you can hit it ground. And this is great stuff, guys. We highly recommend it. Uh, everyone in the company is drinking StravaCraft coffee. I believe this might be a, a, a top secret here, but I think we're going to have StravaCraft coffee soon at the DNVR bar. That's how much we like it. Uh, it's fantastic stuff. Like I've said before, you can get the CBD infused, and I highly recommend that, at least for your first try, just to see what, what type of benefits it has for you. Maybe you have some knee pain that it helps you out with. Uh, maybe it just gets rid of those coffee jitters that you don't like after you drink your morning coffee. Uh, there's lots of different benefits that come with drinking CBD infused coffee. And hey, if that ends up not being for you, well, StravaCraft coffee has regular coffee as well, and it's really good stuff. So make sure you use the code DNVR20 when you're at checkout. You'll get 20 percent off your entire order and they'll send that coffee straight to your door highly recommend StravaCraft coffee give it a try today Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online. Fantastic stuff going on. msudenver.edu slash online. Rigorous and affordable programs. The professors bring the real world into the classroom, really trying to make it a relevant degree for you to be able to take straight from the classroom and into the real world. Uh, so make sure you head over to msudenver.edu slash online to check out all they have to offer. 40 plus online and hybrid programs. 750 total classes. Uh, one of their mantras is learn to lead the change. And I think that's pretty darn uh, relevant right now. So msudenver.edu slash online to check out what they have going. My boys, happy Tuesday. It's all three of us and I can't wait for this pod. I can't wait either. Yesterday was an absolute banger. I'm glad to be, I was glad to be on. I'm glad to hop on with you guys again today. Uh, and there was an interesting little table that came out uh, from our friends over at Spot Rack. Spot Rack? Spot Track? Spot Track. It always like gets track. <laughs> It's like contract except, except for all sports because unlike over the cap, they do, you know, they, they do football, baseball, basketball, hockey, et cetera. So. I, don't, I don't see the contract in Spot Track in there. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a poor <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go with Spotterack. <laughs> so then, it would, the, S, then it would just, be S P O T E R A C. Or yeah, but it's, it's, like, it's like the Motorola Razor, and that it doesn't need the uh, the extra vowel in there. Um, anyways, our friends over at Spotras uh, had a really interesting table in which they ranked the total. 2020 cap hits of each team's QB1, RB1, and wide receiver one. And while I instantly take issue with who they put at RB1, <laughs> even with Melvin Gordon's $7 million salary sitting there at RB1, the Broncos rank 31st 
out of 32 when it comes to the cap hit of those three positions. And again, if you put Philip Lindsay in there, which I think you very well could, you get all the way down underneath uh, the 10 million and you would definitely fall underneath where uh, the Washington Redskins are with Dwayne Haskins making 3 million, AP making 3 million, and Terry McLaurin making just under a million because Philip Lindsay is making what, 500,000 or maybe yep. 750? Yep, 700. He, he's up for, yeah, 700 because he's a third year veteran. So 700,000, that, that's, uh, you know, taking seven or 6,300,000 off. So that would get you all the way down to uh, what, right around the $4 million range? Yep, exactly. Just over $4 million. That is crazy. So you'd be $3 million behind the 31st place Washington Redskins. But forget that. Even with Melvin Gordon in there at $7 million, which is a big number to pay a running back, you're still at 31st. What does this mean to you guys? It means there's a window for the Denver Broncos right now and for the next few years. Guys, when you look at this table, and, and let's just do it how they had it for right now with Melvin Gordon being paid $7 million, the Broncos are one-fifth of the highest paid team right now. And that's the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, the, the Cowboys don't knock my socks off with their talent. Obviously, love Ezekiel Elliott. And, and Amari Cooper is a very good player. I'm not a Dak believer. Uh, so I, I think that Dak kind of skews the whole thing. But come on, for a fifth of the price, you get it, pretty much two Pro Bowl running backs because I can just throw Philip Lindsay in there for the 700000 that he is. A Pro Bowl wide receiver and an up-and-coming quarterback who I believe in, yeah, come on. There's a window there. You can go and spend $40 million to help your team in other places just to, just to be in the same ballpark as the Cowboys are spending on those three. Well, there's a window there, but I wouldn't say there's not a window for the teams that are spending uh, more. So I don't necessarily think that the window closes when you get to the point that you are paying these guys more. Now, there's – Certainly an opportunity, and, and right now you, are, you have the highest paid defense in football, and that's kind of the flip side of having a grand total of $10.459 million invested in these three guys. But the other thing that, that gets me thinking here is this, and I'm probably jumping ahead a little bit, but there is no team on this list that has a $20 million quarterback and a $20 million wide receiver. So if, let's say, Cortland Sutton takes the next steps the next couple of years and Drew Locke does what I think we all expect him to do to some degree, well, that's something that's going to change, although it may even be higher than that. And that's why I think in, a couple, in two to three years, maybe even before that, you're going to see the Broncos emphasizing defense in the draft because this is going to invert upon itself. The cheap skill position guys are going to be expensive guys in a few years, and that defense is going to have to be cheap and young. Well, and Mace, that's why I say that there's a window now, though, is because in the past, the Broncos have been paying the defense. There's no question about that the past few years. They've spent a lot of money on the defensive side, but the offensive side, we haven't been talking about multiple Pro Bowl running backs, Pro Bowl receivers that that are on the way up uh, a promising quarterback we've just been talking about home okay this defense is going to have to be good if the offense can be average well what we're talking about with this team is the defense should be great but now you have an offense that actually may carry its weight and be able to provide 
yet they're they're making so little money right now, but they have that opportunity. So a shift is happening, like you're saying, toward the the defense uh, drafting and paying the offense. But if you find that sweet spot in the shift right now, it's going to mean very good things for the Broncos. I would actually say maybe the sweet spot is in 2021, just because this year with so many young skill guys on the offense and not in how this year is going to look, this may be a year where the offense moves in fits and, in fits and starts. And then when you get to 2022 and the offense is that what you hope is cruising altitude and maybe even there by 2021, that's when the defense is going to have to start getting, getting cheaper and younger. But that's also an advantage of having Vic Fangio because you actually are setting something up long-term. If the team does succeed under Vic Fangio, it's setting up to where you have the defensive wizard who presumably can take younger, less expensive parts and fashion an outstanding defense. And then in a couple of years when you're spending more on the offense, that's fine because with Vic Fangio right now, you could have a great defense this year and an average offense. A couple of years from now, maybe you've got a – and a great offense and a defense that because of Fangio calling the shots, even with a lot of young players is above average. So I don't necessarily think that this window is something short. I think the window is going to, is something that could be broad if Drew Locke hits. Well, yeah. And that, that is why I said the window is a few years. It, it's not 2020 uh, with the window, with everything going on. I think the the true window is 2021 next year, just like you're saying, Mace. And it's indefinite in terms of how long it could last. Because if Drew Lock hits, the window could be, for all you know, 15 years. Well, exactly. And, and that's kind of what I've been saying with the Kansas City Chiefs is if when they pay Patrick Mahomes, their window isn't closed. Because if you're paying an elite quarterback elite money, it doesn't matter because he's elite. When you get really hosed is when you pay a good quarterback elite money and he can't live up to that contract. And if Drew Locke is elite, it doesn't matter when you pay him. It really doesn't. Now, if you pay Philip Lindsay $15 million a year, make him the highest paid running back, which I don't see the Broncos doing. If you're paying Cortland Sutton, Julio Jones type money in a couple of years, paying him $20 million. And then you're also paying Drew Locke $35 million. Well, then, then that could be a different story. But so if, if all of this happens, and everyone hits, all three of these guys hit, or at least all three of these positions hit, are you paying Cortland Sutton $20 million, Drew Locke $35 million, and Philip Lindsay, Melvin Gordon, a running back, uh, $14 million? See, I think that's where you're going to end up cutting costs is the running back position. Uh, and the truth is, as much as I love Phil and as much as I think there is value in the running back position, I'm, I'm one of the big defenders of the Melvin Gordon contract. Uh, and I think actually this chart shows you exactly why I'm a defender of that contract, because even with all that money to them, you're still 31st out of these three positions. But the truth is, if you go through this list, you'll see that all the teams that are paying big money to the quarterback, big money to wide receiver one are cutting costs at one position. Of course, it's the running back. Uh, you know, uh, the, the Colts. And let's share Dallas. Sorry. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but you're paying, you know, well, that's why they're number one, because they're paying all yeah. three. Um, but, you know, you look at the Colts. They're paying Phillip Rivers $25 million, which is unbelievable. Um, T.Y. Hilton, $15 million. Well, Jonathan Taylor, they've got a rookie. Um, you know, uh, How about the, this? No, number two, Seattle. You're paying Russell Wilson $31 million, Tyler Lockett $12.5 million, and you're paying 
Christopher Carson, as they're calling him on here, two million. Christopher. Uh, <laughs> Never heard that before. Aaron Rodgers, twenty-one million. Devontae Adams, sixteen million. Aaron Jones, two million. Mm. Uh, you go through this whole list. Here's a crazy one: Kirk Cousins, twenty-one million. Adam Thielen, twelve million. Dalvin's only getting paid two million dollars. Well, That's not- the last year of it. It's last year of his rookie deal, though. That's the thing. The bill is about to come due, and that's why he's indicated that uh, he might be willing to hold out to get to get the contract that he wants. Yeah. So I don't think that, indicated. That I think he said. Up. Yeah. Yeah. So that's. Yeah, that that looks nice, but uh, I don't know if that's going to be sustained going into the regular season. And the the thing is, you've got an offensive coordinator in Gary Kubiak who over time has said, you know what, I can win with almost any running back because he's done so in the past. That would be wild if they moved on from Dalvin Cook. But, Ryan, I I agree with you that this is where the Broncos would cut costs except with what they just did in the draft. And by adding a first-round wide receiver and a second-round wide receiver, uh, if Cortland Sutton does live Mm -hmm. up to that $20 million wide receiver, maybe by that time it's $25 million wide receiver, May the Broncos say, okay, we're paying Drew Locke. We, we, and, and let's say KJ and Judy do develop. Um, they're not going to be able to pay all three of them $20 million. And maybe they say, let's keep our window. You know, I put window in parentheses because whatever that means. Let's keep it open. And let's pay our wide receivers two or one or two years down the line instead of right now with Court and Sutton. And they'd let him walk or maybe trade him. If you know it's that possible. Jerry Judy's a wide receiver one by then, then that is clearly on the table. Well, and you will know, know that, that by yeah. uh, week three. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's definitely on the table. You know, where I think they really erred here, and it's the classic John L.A. Broncos problem of waiting to pay too long to pay a guy. They should have put a contract on the table for Philip Lindsay before they even talked to Melvin Gordon. And they should have given, and they should have showed him this table, and said, "Look, man, we want to keep you, Drew, and Cortland together for a long time. The truth is, we just we're not going to be able to afford it if we pay everyone huge monies. We want to, so we're coming to you early right now. And maybe they don't frame it that way, but they say, hey, we're going to give you a contract two years before we have to, and we're going to give you um, uh, four years, four year extension." at uh, $20 million. Yeah, or, or even even if you give him a bit more, give him the Austin Eckler deal. Four years, $24.5 million. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Exact wow. Same Guys, I, I was thinking, you approach him before you sign Melvin, you say five years, $15 million, uh, oh, thir- no, thir- no, no. $13 million guaranteed. $13 million guaranteed to what he's guaranteed now is 700000 And not just this year, but next year as well is an RFA where he'll be making – what, two to three million dollars? I mean, if you're guaranteeing him 10 million more than he's going to make in the next two years, maybe 10 million of it is a signing bonus. Maybe I'm just viewing it to pro Broncos side right now, but I mean, yeah, he's still a long to... ways from getting paid. Yeah, but you have to look at this from Phil's side. I mean, he's a very prideful person, and that would be a low ball offer. I think you at least have to get in the area of where Austin Eckler was um, because I think that's a pretty fair comparison. What if you paid uh, him before Eckler though? Well, then you would have been able to set the market probably a little bit lower. You could have on four years. What, what was it for? You said four years, 24. 
24.5 million over four. I think four years, 20 million would have been a great deal uh, for Philip Lindsay to present him at that time. And you probably could have got away with it. And you still would have been able to sign Melvin Gordon like easily. Um, so still have money. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. So they could have signed Melvin Gordon as well. After that, they'd have Phil locked in for the next four years. They'd have Melvin Gordon for the next two. And um, I think they'd be in great shape. But now, well, now you got Phil all fired up. And you're going to like that for this year and next year. But you're probably not going to be able to um, to give him get a hometown discount out of Phil anymore. I, I am of the belief. So you kind of mess that one up you're not going to be able to pull off the full three things um and you're right maybe it is pay philip Lindsay, don't pay Cortland sutton ride on kj hamler and jerry judy and then you you know hit hit again in the draft um and you, you're good to go i mean if both kj hamler and jerry judy hit like you're good you know uh According to Chad Johnson, they've got three wide receiver ones. You don't need three wide receiver ones. Is it going to be fun if that pans out for the next few years? Yeah, it, it will be fun. Uh, but, man, it, it, it could bear itself out in a way that the Broncos don't pay Cortland Sutton. That would hurt, though. All yeah. of these are going to hurt in one way or another, you know. Uh, if Philip Lindsay ends up going to the Kansas City Chiefs or <laughs> the Baltimore Ravens. And speaking of, speaking of the Ravens, um, they might be your your target here as, okay, that's what they did. They were able to, you know, um, have a fantastic season all the way down at the bottom here. Maybe that's what we can do as well. That You know, the, the Ravens, $2 million to Lamar Jackson, $5 million to Mark Ingram, $2 million to Marquise Brown. That's the same setup as the Broncos in terms of the running back getting paid the most because the quarterback and uh, – um, wide receiver one are still on rookie deals yeah well, well it's NBA. wild to think sorry it's wild to think about when you talk about Cortland Sutton's contract too the notion that okay let's say after a couple of years you want to bring him back for one more year the franchise tag right now for wide receivers this year is close to 18 million dollars so a couple of years would be more than that do you actually think if Judy and Hamler hit do you think – and this, I know this sounds unthinkable and crazy. Do you think about trading Cortland Sutton because you would get more for him than you would if you let him go and got a third-round comp pick back in exchange? Yeah, you absolutely yeah, of do. Course wouldn't it, do. Wouldn't yeah. it be good to get value for him instead of just let him yeah. walk? This is – I mean, this is – again, yeah. this goes back to – you always have to be one move ahead of the future – and the GMs that are always pull off these deals that people scratch their heads at the time, uh, and then they end up looking like geniuses later because uh, of the exact exact scenario. You know, if you trade Cortland Sutton, what, what could you get for Cortland Sutton if he matches this season, this last season, next season? You know, back to back, twelve hundred yard receiving years, Pro Bowls. Uh, is that you know that's a wide receiver? What is that two? first round and a third round what what are we getting here yep a first round pick and I think the other thing that may come into play is what if Drew Locke is perceived as good but not great that would actually enhance Cortland Sutton's value because imagine if he has back-to-back 1200 yard seasons and he does it with Joe Flacco slash Brandon Allen slash Drew Locke getting his feet wet yeah 
that yeah, would only it, it, help, that would only help his value, guys. And and he's a, a highlight reel that that he was last year. That would be huge. And Ryan, you you pointed to the Baltimore Ravens, and then you also said, um, you know, thinking a step ahead of the game. Well, that makes me look at what the Chiefs did, and maybe think about what the Broncos may be thinking about. Yes, they haven't paid Mahomes yet, but they know they're going to pay Mahomes, and then they're going to have the high-paid quarterback and the high-paid receiver and Tyree Kill making $17 million. Well, maybe this is a move we see the Broncos do in just a couple of years right before they pay Drew Locke or right when they pay Drew Locke. Uh, they know that they're going to be spending tons of money at wide receiver, whether it's Sutton, Judy, Hamler, all three of those, two of the three, they're going to be spending tons of dough there. Maybe you see a little luxury pick by going running back in the first round so they don't have to pay Melvin. They don't have to pay Phil and they go cheap there, pay the other two positions a lot. It makes sense. Again, that's what I was saying. You know, running back is the easiest place to find value. And as, as much as I wish it was Phil, uh, you know, getting paid, I, I, he's the exact example of why you wouldn't pay him. You know, it's like he's his own, uh, his own enemy in, in this discussion. You found him undrafted. And he went back-to-back thousand-yard seasons to start his career, so the value is is all over the place with wide or with running back. And the other thing is when you have a good offense, which they haven't had. When you have a good offense, it's even easier to put in a running back and have him go to work. Look at uh, look at the 49ers. I mean, you can't even remember all the running backs they threw out there this year, uh, and all of them were successful on a game-in, game-out basis. Raheem Mostert. You know, could have been uh, maybe even the Super Bowl MVP if things went a cer- certain way. No one knew, knew who that was before the season started. So Are we have a more mustard talk right now. So yeah, you said? exactly. Uh, you know, so unfortunately for running backs, there's running back value all over. Unless you're a Derrick Henry, a Zeke, um, you know, a guy who's just one of a kind then it's very easy for teams to say, let's go find our, our Clyde Edwards Hilaire at the end of the first round. One more thing, though. You said $18 million is the franchise tag for wide receivers. By the time Cortland comes up in two years, we'll, we'll say it's over 20. Yeah. Correct. Um, depending on where the Broncos are and depending on what their outlook looks like, let's say they had just gone 12-4 and four and fell in the AFC championship game. That's probably a worthy investment, in my opinion. Extend the window one more year with, the, yeah. with Chad Johnson's three number one wide receivers and see if you can go get yourself a Super Bowl. You know, that's when the franchise tag makes sense is, okay, we're trying to extend this without putting ourselves in a, a financial pickle later down the road. This is a one-year thing. Sutton comes off the books after that. You know, we're, we'll just have to let him go. Uh, and then – you you flip it around and uh and now you're back on you know pay judy lock and whoever else and that is well, a you're scenario going, yeah. that is a scenario uh where you're okay with actually just letting Cortland Sutton walk and that's because you have an opportunity to win right now well the other thing is when you look at that Drew Lock has is going into his fourth year now if lock is flourishing you want, I would think you would want to get ahead of the curve and get him re-signed and not have him playing that fourth year with all the questions of, 
oh, is he going to be your long-term guy? It would be basically Dak Prescott 2.0 all over again. So if you want to avoid that, then it may take some gymnastics to get Cortland Sutton on a franchise tag in for that fifth year. But if you're, if you're content with saying, okay, we're going to let Drew Locke play out this year, be tagged the year after that, and then figure it out, then that, that certainly is an option to, to give Cortland Sutton that franchise tag. And, and based off some feedback from yesterday's pod, specifically at the very end, I'm sure there's people sitting in their car right now, sitting at their office, screaming at us, saying, why would you let any of these guys walk? Well, the thing is, if you come down to this where, you, where you're having to make the tough decisions of we got to let some good players go, that's a good spot to be in. When were the Broncos last in that spot? It was after they won a freaking Super Bowl. It's when you have good teams and you have too many good players that you have to make the tough decisions. So it's, it seems crazy that the Broncos may say goodbye to Cortland Sutton at some point when he's still in his prime. But that, wouldn't mean, that, would, that would mean more than just he's been a, a Pro Bowl player for many years. It would mean that Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler uh, are, are great as well. And it would mean that Chad Johnson's theory – of the Broncos having three number one receivers is either true or very close to true. How tall is KJ Hamler? 5'11". And how tall is Tyreek Hill? Is the 5'10"? 5'10", I believe, yeah. I I feel like a lot of people, when Chad Johnson said that, said, you know, um, KJ Hamler is way too small to be a number one wide receiver. But if – He's anything like Tyree Kill. It's such is not the case. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Even my first thought was like, it feels a little off. But the truth is, if he's as fat, if he's a four-two-seven guy, uh, then he can be a number one. And Chad Johnson could be right here. Uh, and it's so weird. I follow Chad Johnson on Twitter. I never really see him talk all that much about teams and their wide receiver, like. This is just like his weird obsession of like three players that he really loves all going on to the same team. Yeah, it's not hot take after hot take on his Twitter necessarily. Right. I mean, he's like normally tweeting about how much he loves McDonald's and like playing <laughs> people in FIFA. <laughs> but every once in a while you get him talking about the Broncos receivers and he, you know, does backflips. Maybe, maybe It's he, a this rich, is, full life that he's living. Yeah, maybe he's just trying to squeak on as like the fourth receiver on this team. And the way he thinks he can do that is just by, uh, by singing the praises of those three. Do you if know how much get, I would support that idea? <laughs> if he really wanted to get back in the league, he ought to be a kicker. He was working on that for a while. Yes, he uh, was. I want to go on the record saying I 1,000% support, support the Broncos signing Chad Johnson. <laughs> as, as Chad Johnson or as Chad Ochocinco? Oh, I don't care what number he wears or anything. I just want him around Jerry Judy as much as possible because <laughs> I, think, I think Jerry Judy is the faster Chad Johnson. So you're saying um, you want a DeMarcus Ware role with uh, Chad Johnson. Sign me up. Sign me up. <laughs> He's funnier too. Um, oh, yeah, I, I, I'm all about that. And here's one other thing. Speaking of, you know, adding a, a washed up receiver, what if it comes, what if it comes to fruition? Remember what we saw at the end of the last year with, uh, with Deshaun Hamilton, where Drew Locke literally dug him right out of his grave and propped him up. <laughs> um, what if it comes out that Drew Locke makes wide receivers better 
And it's kind of like a, you know, not to compare him to Peyton Manning. But the truth is, it didn't really matter who you put around Peyton Manning. It, you know, the, the wide receivers were going to be fine. Uh, and if that's the case with Drew Locke, another reason to not pay 20-something million dollars a year to Cortland Sutton. Not a knock on Cortland Sutton at all. Just, okay, you've already got two other really good wide receivers. Maybe you can maybe you do decide to keep around Deshaun Hamilton as your number three, or you draft another guy because Drew Locke's just able to make number three receivers who can, you know, run good routes and what whatnot look really good and you don't need to be paying three big time receivers. Well, then there's another reason. So Yeah, why would you pay a guy twenty million dollars if his replacement plays at eighty percent of him for twenty percent of the money? Unless you're chasing a Super Bowl. Right. Right, and you're in that one-year window, and you have the luxury of the franchise tag. Yep, really interesting stuff. Um, I like that discussion just because the, it shows you how many options the Broncos have. Yeah. You know, and, and obviously th- things have to go right. You can't have Jerry Judy or KJ Hamler busting. I think J- Jerry Judy's bust potential might be as low as anyone in the entire draft, um, other than maybe Chase Young. Although Chase Young ended up on the Redskins, which makes his draft. Uh, bus potential go up significantly but uh, you know I truly believe that Jerry Judy is almost unbustable and speaking of busts I know Not it's gone wood 10 45 on Tuesday but I'm ready to bust open a Breck brew uh, maybe you like the mile high city maybe you just want the 15 can sampler to see what's right for you and if you do get the 15 can sampler you're going to get three hot peaks and three strawberry skies which means you can make yourself six RK specials, half hot peak, half strawberry sky. Don't knock it till you try it is all I'm saying. Don't knock it till you try it. Mixing beers might sound sacrilegious, uh, but you'll find new religion once you have a sip of that. So head uh, head over to your local liquor store. Maybe it's Davidson's and get yourself a 15 can pack of whatever Breck brews seem to suit your fancy. And guys, also head over to DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. They have us covered. Even though we're a month away from the big sports in America returning, they've got you covered on every single sport that you could ever imagine. They've got you covered, and you can bet on any sport there. And this week is full of action from golf to European soccer. DraftKings has you covered. And that's not all. Head to the app now and check out the special odds and promotions that will be available through the week to help you bring in the cash. Guys, DraftKings Sportsbook is U.S.-based, making it safe, secure, and reliable. Plus, it's easy to deposit and withdraw your funds whenever you want. And guys, they're offering the best sign-up offer to date right now. They're offering a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. So guys, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use that magical code DNVR when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. So don't forget, enter the code DNVR and get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And speaking of DraftKings Sportsbook, it's time for Mace's favorite segment. It's the DraftKings Pick of the Week. Mace, everyone in the world's wallets are riding on your pick. And all the only way that they can survive is if you give them a winner. 
Oh God, uh, I don't <laughs> want that kind of pressure. <laughs> Mason, right. you just gotta identify the winners right here. Mace, um, whatever you pick, I'm putting ten G's on it. <laughs> Ryan's putting the mortgage right. on it. I'm I'm taking the Rockies to go over twenty six and a half wins. Oh, I love hey. it. Great pick. Great pick. Um just because they seem to be able to handle the first 60 games of a season reasonably well. It makes sense. I'm not saying a playoff team. I'm saying like a 500 team. Yeah. I mean, they don't even have to go 500. They can go uh, three games under 500. 27 and 33. Yep. That would do it. I love that. I love that. And I got to say, DraftKings has the best odds. If you want the over on the Rockies, you got to go to DraftKings because I've seen it a game or two higher other places. So Man, if you can get him at 26 and a half, and like you said, Ryan, they can go three games under 500 and you're still cashing. I like that. And uh, most Rockies fans aren't exactly stoked on this move, but they just signed Matt Kemp today. And Matt Kemp's career numbers at Coors Field are better than just about anyone else's. So he's going to have 30 games at Coors Field uh, to, to absolutely rake. I, you know, in golf, they talk about. Uh, a course suiting a player's eye. I feel as though Coors Field suits Matt Kemp's eye better than maybe any field has ever fit any batter's eye. Yeah, oh it suits gosh. him well, even though last year with the Reds, he was terrible. Uh, yeah. other thing, the other thing that suits him, guys, he can be DH'd because you have oh, universal yeah. DH. He doesn't have to be in the field because at this stage of, of Matt Kemp's life in the, on, in the field, He's a disaster. He moves like he's 70 years old out there. But he can still hit and Coors Field probably revive him. That's a good call. Oh you don't have gosh. to move very fast when you're jogging around the bases. <laughs> I got to say, the Rockies didn't make any moves this offseason. This may be the best one that they could have made. He destroys the Rockies. He oh, destroys yeah. them. He's so good at Coors. So, man <laughs> – this is that's a that's a great one. They're, they're right there is, is why you should put your money over the twenty six and a half. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, a lot of people because of his numbers last year or lack thereof are not excited about this. Everyone, a lot of people wanted him to sign Yasiel, Yasiel Puig, which I also would have been a huge supporter of. Speaking of Rockies killers, um, but I think that there might be some magic left in Matt Kemp's bat when he plays at his favorite. He plays on his favorite course per se every single day yep okay good pick mace zach what do you got where do you guys think the uh broncos finish inside the afc west first second third or fourth uh you found it you <laughs> found it i love this one too uh the most likely scenario is that they finish in second place in my opinion mace what's your guess ryan's going second what's your guess Two, second He's place. Second as well. Well, I think they're going to finish second as well. And, guys, on DraftKings Sportsbook, you can get not only plus odds, you can get that at plus 235. And I did not set Mace or Ryan up with this to say second. I just – we all believe that they're going to finish second. And if you can get that at over two to one odds, I absolutely love that. So – I, I'm 100% with you. We talked about this on DNVR Bets Daily one day. I think it's a, it's like there's just they typed in the wrong numbers or something. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> they have the most likely scenario based on the odds third. Am I correct? Um, yes. Yes. Third and then a close fourth. 
Yeah, they're way off on that. And a lot of people across the country are way too high on the Raiders and Chargers. I don't know what's going on there. Um, but it's, it's allowing you to, fi- to mine this inefficiency. The only thing I don't like about this bet is that if the Broncos start 6-0 and or something, all of a sudden, <laughs> you obviously wouldn't be. But there's like a 1% of your mind that's like, whoa, whoa slow down there, boys. <laughs> uh, well, then but- why don't you just throw 10 bucks on them to finish first in the division, too, at plus 900? There you go. That makes sense. I love it. You, you, you hedge yourself a little bit so you're not rooting against yourself late in the season, even though I know you wouldn't be. But it's kind of like when you, when you have like um, – you have like Drew Locke and then you also have the Titans defense on your fantasy team. <laughs> right. like, oh, great. What am I going to do? Like you're not, you don't care, but it doesn't feel quite as good. Right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully we get this podcast published in time for this. Uh, just so you guys know, I'm uh, do I'm, I'm pretty hot right now. Uh, I went five and one over the weekend including nailing Dustin Johnson to win the Travelers Championship, which was a quite the profitable venture for me. So uh, I'm, I'm keeping it simple here uh, just to try and stay hot. You got Man United taking on Brighton in the Premier League today, and it's, uh, you're giving up a little bit of value on Man U, but I don't think it's quite enough for me to stay away from it. I got it at minus 165 for Man U to win straight up. I think that's a nice, safe bet uh, and uh, a nice way to just, you know, pad, pad the, the wallet before the betting really picks up the rest of this week because as, as I'm starting to learn in this weird world that we're living in right now, Mondays and Tuesdays are pretty slow. And then, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday is all – there's all tons of action across the world for you to get in on, including golf and the Premier League and all that. So – just trying to stay hot today with a little Man U win. So what you're saying is take your money that you went on Man U and put it on the future bets that Mason and I gave you. Exactly. There we go. There's a strategy. Hmm. Okay, let's move on to the questions from our great listeners. And does one of you guys have the first one in front of you? Yellow Mustard chiming in says, I'm catching up on the pause from the long weekend, so this comment's a little late. I disagree with you guys saying that the Broncos had a better offseason than the Arizona Cardinals. You guys really discounted the Cardinals addition of a superstar in Nuck Hopkins. Whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down. (laughs) We said that was the single best move of the offseason. Yeah, I don't think we really underrated that. Said it was the best move for any team in the (laughs) offseason. The Hopkins trade was way better than the Jarrell Casey trade, he says. We know. Yeah, I agree with you, and I think we said that as well. Uh, Likewise, you guys really discredited Devondre Campbell's signing by noting his low sack count. Not every defense runs a 3-4 scheme with outside linebackers uses pass rushers. The Falcons are one of the teams running a 4-3 under in which the outside linebackers are used primarily as run stoppers and coverage linebackers, both of which are areas that Campbell excelled at. I am mad that the Broncos didn't make uh, the list of best offseasons, but I think you guys are showing your colors a little when you rate ours higher than every other team. Look, uh, one, I'm not afraid to show my colors. Two, I just we went through it one by one, and I truly came to the Broncos having the best offseason. Like maybe uh, there's like some internal bias. I don't know. I, I felt like we broke it down. I, we definitely broke it down in a simplified way. You know, that's that's all we had time to do. But 
I, I truly believed after we went through each team one by one that the Broncos had the best. Yeah, I mean – Where did and, you guys have the Colts? Where were the Colts? The Colts, I think on that list, were 10, right? Mm. Nine or 10. They were in the back we, half. I think that was one of the teams that we said they should have been a little higher. Yeah, they should have been. Said. They should have been uh, because as much as people may despise Philip Rivers, Rivers with his old buddy Frank Reich – and then Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. I mean, I, that looks to me like a team that is right back there winning 11 games again. All right, Mesa, I'm scooting over, letting you join the uh, Philip Rivers bandwagon with me. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just the right situation to maximize what he has left. A good offensive line in front of him, which he hasn't had in ages. A running back who can, can catch a lot of passes and also be effective between the tackles. You got – you got pretty decent pass catchers led by a good wide receiver one in T.Y. Hilton. The pieces are there for the Colts to be very good this year. Well, and the Broncos added three Pro Bowl players, including an or, and along with uh, an All-American receiver in the first round. It finds another team that did something like that in the offseason. As we broke it down, there there just isn't. So. It, I don't think we said the Cardinals had a bad offseason. I think they ended up being third or something on our list. And, uh, you know, I have the, the Buccaneers just ahead of the Broncos. And we broke it down very, <laughs> very detailed. And I, I still feel comfortable with it. I, I like full – like there's not a part of me that thinks I was being a homer at all in that take after we went through each team. No, no. Next one coming in from LA Broncos 30. I was looking through the locker and had some hat ideas. I would 100% get a hat with Phil Lindsay mile high salute in either orange, blue, or black. Also a hat with the Von Goat logo would be sick. Just a thought. DM for royalties if you go with it. Just kidding. Maybe. Anyways, the news of Atwater and Manning, hopefully both being inducted next year, makes me really want to go to the Hall of Fame game. Speaking of Hall of Fame, what would Drew Locke have to do to become a first ballot inductee? <laughs> what would Phil have to do to make the Hall of Fame? Man, oh if my Drew Locke God. Just, <laughs> just keeps doing what he's doing, I'd say he's a lock. Don't change anything, Drew. Just continue your path to the gold jacket. <laughs> Mace is literally oh. face palming multiple times right now. Oh, my this. gosh. After five games? <laughs> Four and one. If he has, if he has an 80% win record throughout his career yeah i mean they should be sizing them up now actually if if he has an 80 percent if he if he wins 80 percent if his teams win 80 percent of their games but his passer rating remains where it is so he's playing the same then this is going to be a hell of a discussion because this, this is going to be kind of like eli manning you're going to say it all come he's down got, to the rings he, he's got the rings and he's got the big dubs but the the overall performance was kind of uh, not but, you know okay but it, but it would be different than yeah. eli because he would yeah. be winning 13 <laughs> games a season he would be the number one seed for the next 15 years <laughs> yeah it's true <laughs> It would, it, if that happened, if the Broncos won 80% of their games and his passer rating remained exactly the same as it is right now, it would be the ultimate debate of QB wins. Right. You would just be it, saying, the guy's <laughs> just a winner. He inspires his team. Like, the proof is in the pudding. The team, the players around him change. The record never does. 13-3 and three every year. It would be amazing because like, you'd be like, this guy, he's average. He's an average quarterback. But look at the, how the team is winning. It would, be, it would actually be kind of fun if it worked out that way. Oh, and, yeah, you know what? 
in that case, because there'd be so many wins, inevitably there'd be a Super Bowl and an M- and maybe a Super Bowl MVP. And so, yeah, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. And he'd probably the- be the winningest quarterback in NFL <laughs> yeah. history. Yeah. <laughs> and, and all those, this would, yeah, yeah. This would yeah. probably mean that he would throw like two picks every single game in the first half and then three touchdowns in the second half and just be the ultimate fourth quarter comeback king. Well, no, well, no, because his touchdown to interception ratio right now is over two to one. Yeah, you're right. So one touch, one interception in the first half and two and a half in the second half. Yep. Yep. (laughs) So it'd be what? It'd be 28 touchdowns and uh, 12 picks in every year. That would be so exciting. (laughs) The thing is though, the, by doing that, the yards per attempt would be lower than you'd like as well. Because, yeah. of course, that, that would to have that sort of ratio and have that rating would mean his YPA would not rise as we all expected to. And that would mean that people would be calling him a check down Charlie. Let me tell you this right now. Drew Locke could average one yard per attempt, but if he throws 28 touchdowns and 13 interceptions and the Broncos go 13 and three, I will not have a single word of criticism for him. (laughs) I totally agree. One one yard per attempt though means that you're literally your, your, your gross passing yardage at the end of the season is like 500. (laughs) I mean, that's that's what would be gross. That, that's like a wishbone quarterback circa 1985 <laughs> or an Air Force quarterback. I, I mean, these tunnel screens were on fire all year. They're unstoppable. This would be like John Elway's uh, nightmare from a quarterback perspective. It'd be Tim Tebow all over again. <laughs> yeah, but then when he gets in the red zone, baby, he's nails. All right, next one here comes in uh, – Oh, and what would Philip Lindsay have to do to make the Hall of Fame? Well, uh, he's – I mean, I guess if he were able to keep this pace going for 10 years, yeah, uh, then he would have a case. I was going to say, Brian, you joked about Drew Locke just keep doing what he's doing. If Philip Lindsay keeps doing what he's doing, that's just, I just think it's going to get hard to continuously put up 1,000-yard seasons. But if – he runs for a thousand yards for over a decade every single year. That's pretty hard to not put him in, right? Yeah, Mace. What do you think? What what would ten thousand yards do for Phil? Or probably would end up going a little over eleven thousand. It, it would help at the same time. As we were discussing that, I just queued up Warwick Dunn's numbers, and Warwick Dunn over twelve years ran for just under eleven thousand yards, ten thousand nine hundred sixty-seven. And he also caught another 500 passes for north of 4,300 yards. So he's at 15,300 yards from scrimmage. And he's getting nary a sniff of Wait, traction but, in, but hall, in, in Hall of Fame discussion. So getting, getting yardage isn't going to be enough for Philip Lindsay. I think he would have to – he'd probably have to get at least 15,000 yards from scrimmage. and there's got to be a transcendent season or two in there, like a season where he rushes for 1,600 and then has another 500 yards in receptions, so he's north of 2,000 yards from scrimmage. He's got to have a season or two like that, and a Super Bowl would help. Yeah, I, I do agree about having one or two big seasons just better than 1,050, but Mace, how many 1,000-yard rushing seasons did Warwick Dunn have? Five. 
Five. There you Phil go. Phil would have ten. That's yeah. twice as much. That that yeah. would be the consistency that but, would just be hard to ignore. Ten, but ten consecutive thousand-yard seasons for a player at a high tr- attrition position. That is. Oh, that would a, be a. That would be amazing. It's also probably not realistic. Yeah, I. Oh I yeah, agree. totally. I agree. Well, it's probably not realistic for yeah. Philip Lindsay to be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Don't tell him that. No, no, I would never. <laughs> uh, and I honestly wouldn't bet against it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or do tell him that. It'll just piss him off. True. Next one's from Onion Town Links. Just started the pod, and Zach is claiming the Patriots have a good defense. LOL. Hold on. The number one person banging the Patriots <laughs> have a good defense drum is Mace. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anyways, let's remember that the great defense of the Patriots had these offenses to play against this year. Pittsburgh, 30th. Two times against Miami, 27th, and they lost one of those games. Two times against the Jets, 32nd. Two times against the Buffalo Bills, 24th. Against Washington, 31st. Against the uh, Giants, 23rd. Against Cleveland, 22nd. And against Cincinnati, 26th. This is a compelling case. That's 11 of their games. The Patriots' offense was middling last year with most of the teams I listed having horrible defenses as well. Please consider this take. Cam Newton to New England will be a disaster. Losing record for the Patriots. Shirt bet me. Double shirt bet me. Pizza bet me. Come at me, bro. I'm going to die on this hill 1,075%. Also, love the pod. Guys, keep up the great content. Double thumbs up. I think we need to uh, link up Onion Town Links and uh, our guy, The Count, because uh, they may be able to agree on a pizza bet here because The Count believes they're a double-digit win team. It's, he even thinks by week 13. And Onion Town Links saying – a losing team, man. I think you guys have a have a, a bet made in heaven right there. Well, hold on. I already yeah, took well. a pizza bet with uh with the count, and hopefully he actually pays up on his hey. pizza bet because <laughs> Zach still hasn't. And I know there's two out there. Mace, do you remember? Zach and I, I had the funny Bells thing is Browns. I think there's uh, two as well, but I just can't, I mean if we can't think of I, the other one. Oh, I'm I believe, I'm with you on that. I, have <laughs> I thought there were I don't remember specifically, but I thought there were two pizzas involved. Wow, a mystery Something pizza the out there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't what know. It been. They didn't win very many games. I think uh, um, I I I'm not uh, delinquent on my bets yet, though. I I have until uh, opening kickoff. I'm pretty hungry right now. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Uh, One thing anyways, though, how much defend, do you, how, defend, 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 not me. Don't defense. come after me here. I, I'll defend it, but part of it is how much validity do you guys put in uh, football outsiders in the DVOA rankings? I I don't know <laughs> because they they take into account situation, they take into account quality of the opponent, quality of the opponent, and the reason why I bring that up is that in the last four seasons, the Patriots' defense last year second highest trade of any defense over the last four years, only trailing the 2018 Bears. Sounds like they don't take into account quality of opponent enough. Uh, two years ago, they also, when they won the Super Bowl, I think two years ago, they also had the best defense in the league. I mean, when, when they're up there year after year, it's hard to say it's bad. And I know they probably benefited from Tom Brady, uh, you know, controlling the game a little more, but they're pretty talented. I mean, just last week, Mace said, if he could add any defensive player from the entire NFL to the Broncos, it would be Gilmore and obviously from the Patriots. So 
I I loved Onion Town Lynx's case here. He only, but he got halfway there. He was halfway to an extremely convincing take. If he was then able to pull out the five games against teams that weren't in the twenties and show me that the Patriots defense was average in those games, then I would have actually backed him up on this. But I don't know what the answer to that. I don't know what the games were like when they played against good teams. I do remember their defense being pretty darn good and holding Tom Brady's skeleton body up uh, for the entire season. So you remember they they played Pittsburgh with Roethlisberger still there because they they played him in, they played him in week one and they held him to three points and uh, 15 first downs, 308 yards. The, 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 the chiefs, they held, they lost to the chiefs. They held them to 23. Wow. The, the only team to surpass 30 on them was the Ravens with 37. Okay. Um, what other teams didn't fall into this category of bad teams that he mentioned, the 11 okay. games? Okay. Houston, they put up 28 points, and, but they put up 28 points with only 276 yards gained in that, that game. And uh, did, did Houston have a defense? No, Houston did not have a defensive touchdown in that game. So I'll just say this. Yeah. Uh, Onion Town came in with some good facts here. Right. But I don't think his case supports the first sentence. Right. right. They, they held, they held Dallas the, to nine. Yeah. Just started Dallas the pod to, and Zach is claiming the Patriots have a good defense. <laughs> LOL, yeah. all caps. <laughs> A little too strong there. A little too strong. Yeah, f- five five opponents in single digits. Uh, Eleven opponents held below twenty. Uh, held held the Eagles to ten. The Cowboys to nine. They're good. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. yeah it's it, it's a very good defense. It, it's yeah. I mean, and again, it's the old cliche. Yeah, it's you might not be going against the best teams, but they're still NFL teams. You still have to actually show up and play well in order to contain almost anybody. I mean, really, the only one I'm giving them a pass on, they had a shutout of the Jets when, when – uh, well, actually, no, they got they – got the, they, 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 they allowed 14 points to the Jets with Luke Falk. They shut the Jets out with Sam Darnold, so shut my mouth on that one. <laughs> Burly well, so. Joe coming in. Who, in your mind, is the worst villain of the New England Patriots dynasty, Tom Brady or Bill Belichick? If I include Robert Kraft in this debate, it would be too easy. Take care, my dudes. It's got to be Bill because you have to assume that he's the one orchestrating the cheating. But wouldn't Tom have been the one orchestrating Deflategate cheating? Deflategate is, is like, <laughs> it's so dumb that it hurts the case against Patriots being cheaters. <laughs> the other thing, Deflategate came after the videotaping scandal. So what would happen is that all of the, the illicit videotaping, that was part of the culture that was created that made the notion of deflating footballs acceptable. It so also go back to the origin point here, and the origin point would be Bill Belichick. Yeah, it's Bill. And it also doesn't help that he like rarely smiles and just looks like a villain. And in fact, wants to come across as the villain. Yeah, but he's like the ugly villain, like uh, Voldemort. But Brady is like the sharp-looking villain, like the guy in the Terminator. Right, right. But when you look at him, you uh, you uh, you instantly think Bill first, though. Yes, yes, yeah. But but Tom also has that like 
you know, creepy looking facial structure. <laughs> he does. And he, like, he says some weird things at times. He doesn't like strawberries. Can't trust that. Kind of villain doesn't like strawberries. <laughs> From TK Freeze, my boys. How would you feel if Drew Locke went for 3,669 nice passing yards, 27 <laughs> TDs, 16 picks, and a passer rating of 87.4? How would that make Denver? Okay, uh, that's just good enough. Yeah, I, you take it for his first full season starting. I mean, in 27 TDs, that's a good number. Yeah. Uh, how good would that make them? Okay, okay. what if he went for 3,987 passing yards, 32 touchdowns, and 13 picks with a rating of 91.1? Yep, 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 yep. They're winning 11 games with that. <laughs> yep. Easy. He says, I know we uh, have now compared Locke to just about every quarterback going into his second year, but the reason a lot of people seem to hate on Locke is that they can't get over the fact he was drafted in the second round. But the first stats I laid out to you was Andy Dalton, second round pick in his second year. The second was Derek Carr, second round pick in his second wow. year. Wow. Was that Derek Carr's like best, that one really great year he had? Or the, was, was that the no. MVP year when he got hurt? No, his MVP, his borderline MVP year in 2016 was, it, it was even better than that. That was the year that he actually had 28 touchdowns and six picks. That was year three for Derek Carr. Would you rather have 28 and six or 32 and 13? Ooh, 28 and six, even though it's not as sexy. You're getting four more touchdowns for seven more interceptions. Yeah, you probably take the 28 and six. And, and the twenty-eight and six was the, the their playoff season. The uh, the thirty-two and thirteen they were what eight and eight or seven and nine something like that. Yeah, it, it makes sense why they believed in him so much though. That's a really impressive start yeah. to his career. Thirty-two and thirteen in your second year is yeah. That, I mean, Shelby Harris said it to me one time in the in the locker room. He said after that injury, he heard he he saw ghosts. Uh, he was never able to shake them. So it, it, that's a shame that it kind of derailed his career. Shame for everyone except for the Broncos. I guess. And, and yet he had the highest passer rating of his career this past season. And I think yeah. he, to the whole seeing ghosts thing, he was sacked 51 times in 2018, tw- 29 times in 2019. So he might be getting past the issues that he had. Yeah. I don't know. He's still just Derek Carr. Um, <laughs> He says, I know they've both fallen off now, but it's still an interesting thought. I believe Locke will be better than both by a long shot, but how would you guys feel if either of these were his stats this coming season? Look, if he goes for almost 4,000 yards and 32 touchdowns and 13 picks, uh, the Broncos are definitely going to the playoffs. Yeah, you'd take that in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat. All right, next one coming in from Hip Hip U Ray. Greetings, gents. After listening to the pod, I did some reflecting on each of Zach and Mace's takes about re-signing Von Miller and how each of you took an opposite stance. I'll try and keep my opinion short, but I have to side with Mace on this one. Sometimes you have to pay for services rendered, especially if it's an elite talent like Von Miller. Do you guys seriously want to be like the Raiders and sign and trade your two best players because you don't want to potentially overpay your best players? Prime example of this is the Khalil Mack trade. Would you seriously want to drop to the bottom fourth of the league in sacks just because you don't want to pay Vaughn or Mack as one of the highest paid players in the league? I certainly don't. Do you want almost zero offensive weapons for your once MVP candidate quarterback? Decline. As always, thanks for the content. You guys rock. Go Broncos and go DNVR. So, Ryan, we had an interesting conversation yesterday stemmed from one comment that went about 20 minutes long. And (laughs) I want your take. 
and Mace uh, kindly gave me hindsight being 2020. Should the Broncos have re-signed Von Miller to the contract that they did in 2016? So I got to run here, so I'm going to have to keep this a, a little bit brief. I'll just say this. It's a kind of a catch-22. Um, damned if you do, damned if you don't. The truth was that was Von Miller's peak, and you kind of had to know that it was going to be tough for him to stay there for very long, especially for the length of the contract you were inking him to. In hindsight being 2020, you look at John Elway not just bending over backwards for Von Miller, and now it kind of makes sense. It kind of looks like John Elway knew what he was doing. So I think you have a great point, Zach, by, by saying like, – by saying the Broncos spent way too much money for Von Miller. He has not lived up to that money. I also think that uh, hip, hip, hooray, and probably what Mace was saying is that you kind of knew you had to overpay him, but you couldn't let him go. I think it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation, but I don't blame either side of the take. And the truth is the Broncos have not gotten equal value out of that move. Right, right, right. At the same time, is there not value to be gained in terms of the organization, in terms totally. of your culture, in making sure that a true franchise linchpin stays around and plays what will be at least a decade in your uniform. That, to me, yeah, that's part of the value, too. I, I don't think that matters at all. Really, I think it does. And I also think that it, it, like if you win a Super Bowl MVP for a team and they just let you walk, it's kind of a bad look. Um, so I can see, again, I can, I can see a little bit of both. I don't think it's quite added up to the same, but you just, you, you probably couldn't have let Von Miller go. Hindsight being 2020, yes, you can think about it a little bit longer. Uh, but in the end, I, I think their hands were kind of tied, and I think John Elway knew that all along. Yeah, and absolutely. But having hindsight being 2020, where he's averaged 11 sacks in those last four seasons, yet you've been paying him to be in the defensive player of the year conversation every year, and he hasn't been in it one year. That's why, yeah, in the moment, I knew that they were going to pay him because how can you let the, the reigning Super Bowl MVP walk? You, you just can't. But now that I was given hindsight 2020, uh, yeah. And, and but, but this isn't personal to Vaughn. And, Ryan, I'll, I'll let you go and maybe continue my point after because I know you got to run. All right, guys. It was a great right. one. Great being on with you guys again. Sorry I have to run again early. See you, Ryan. Later. But, Mace, this isn't personal to Vaughn. This isn't just about Vaughn. In fact, if I'm given the benefit of looking, uh, hindsight being 2020, from now back until uh, the, the right after Super Bowl 50, I'm doing so many things differently. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm pretty much changing everything that isn't going to have a big impact with this team moving forward. So I'm not talking about drafting Bradley Chubb, Cortland Sutton, because those guys are going to have bigger, uh, they're going to have an impact moving forward from here. And I think it's going to be brighter days moving forward, but I'm not paying any of the right tackles that I paid. Um, I'm probably not re-signing Derek Wolf, um, probably not giving Chris Harris an additional $3 million, uh, probably not re-signing CJ Anderson. There's, I mean, you, you can go down uh, the path of probably not re-signing uh, Emmanuel Sanders, probably uh, moving on from Demarius Thomas a little bit earlier. I mean, pretty much every single move that was a big move that cost uh, a lot of value in terms of draft capital or money, I'm not doing because it wasn't successful. And why would you do things just out of emotion? If you play with emotion, 
that that loses you three million dollars on Chris. Uh, it 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 pays Von Miller twenty million dollars. And I I just so it, this isn't about Von, but if you get hindsight and you get to see what has unfolded. I'm changing so many things because the truth is they haven't had a winning season since 2016. I think you're crazy if you're not changing a lot of the big moves. You're changing so many things, but at the same time, again, we're doing the hindsight 2020 thing here. Uh, like you mentioned, there probably aren't that many moves that you would have to make that I think also would have put Von Miller in a position to do better in a position to, you know, for example, be playing from, Ahead. I mean, I think you you mentioned you mentioned Donald Stevenson right there. Okay, he was a bust. That was a waste of money. Yep. So let's say you don't sign Donald Stevenson, and as a result of not signing Donald Stevenson, you're not going to Colin Kaepernick and saying, "Hey, Cap, we need you to take a pay cut." You're just saying, "We'll take you on your contract as is." Maybe Colin Kaepernick and Colin Kaepernick's a Denver Bronco, and. 2016 looks a hell of a lot different with sure. Cap at quarterback than with, with, than with Trevor. And sure. I think 2016 and maybe even 2017 looks different. And that means Von Miller looks different because he, they are playing from ahead more. He has more opportunities to pin the ears back and rush the passer. Who knows? Maybe the 2016 outcome is such to where you're more compelled to promote from within Rather than hiring Vance Joseph, maybe you go twelve and four, and Gary Kubiak still walks away, and you you kind of swallow your pride a little bit and say, "All right, we want to keep this going." Wade, can you, Wade Phillips, can you be our head coach for a couple of years? Well, now I think now we're going down a, a yeah. pretty crazy path You've, right now. But of, you're changing a lot. Ifs. But you, but it, it well, it just starts with one. It starts with one thing. It's one thread. And then you pull it, and then all of a sudden, everything starts working out. Start, starts working out differently now. Of course, of course. Now, uh, unfortunately, um, unfortunately, if the Broncos had gone right tackle in the twenty in the twenty sixteen NFL draft or gone for any tackle, it wouldn't have worked out great because the next tackles off the board in the draft that year were Jermaine Effetti and Jason Spriggs. Well, and, and, but Mace, I'm just looking at uh, each individual move that the Broncos did make and saying, should they have made that? And I think a lot of people, uh, and I think you can do this with every losing team in the league the past three years with big moves, with small moves. It's easy to look back and say, uh, no, of course you're not going to make that move. And I, I don't, I don't understand how you can look back on a guy that you made the highest paid player um, on your team who hasn't put up the stats that you were hoping for and the team hasn't had the team success. So the player success isn't where it should have been. And the team success isn't where it should have been. And you're paying him the most money of anyone on your team and said, that was a good contract. I, I and again, take Von Miller's name away from it. I, I don't see well, how you can look back four years and say that, that that's a good move. But you can't take Von Miller's name away from it. You can't take his legacy away from it because because that's part of the value. There is some value in keeping a guy who is probably going to be a first ballot 
Hall of Famer for you. There is value. Mace, what value in terms is of the, in, What is the, the value? value? The value is in, in terms of history. The value is in terms of organizational culture. The value is in terms of being of not being a franchise that sees a player who's about to get big money, who's elite at his position, and saying, "You know what? We're not going to pay you. We're we're moving on from that." That's how does that, that that's, hurt? How does that hurt the team? If, if you, it, it hurts. It's more than the team. It's the organization. It's the culture around the organization. It's the it's the fan base. It's it's everything about the uh, about the things that make the Denver Broncos matter to so many people. Not re-signing Vaughn Miller would uh, to do that in 2016 would have been a body blow. To, to the fan base and oh by the way again I think you could have put had Von Miller in a position to where he would have been more successful and at least would have had higher sack totals if other things had been in, in a more advantageous spot like you being like being able to play from ahead which is something the Broncos have have rarely done over the last four seasons but Mace we're, we're looking back at this knowing that they didn't get to play with the lead. And you're saying that you would still keep Vaughn. I'm saying, looking back, what, what uh, another part that this shows, and it's very obvious, but this really, really shows it, your highest paid player should really be your quarterback. Unless you find that rookie uh, and you have the Russell Wilson team with, with the deep where it's led by the defense, you got to invest big time in the quarterback situation. And the Broncos had an opportunity with Von Miller, where if they would have, I believe, exclusive franchise tagged him and traded him, they would have been able to get two first-round picks for him. Two first-round picks, uh, along with what you have, is a ton of draft capital. So that you're not making a weak investment in, in a 20-something pick quarterback in the first round. That's not an investment in a quarterback. That's not a huge investment uh, where, where you're not paying um, – you know, Case Keenum, $18 million. That's not a big investment in the quarterback. That, that, that's like bottom third type of money. And so if, if you would have uh, traded Von Miller, because now you know that you didn't have the firepower on offense, Mace, you would have freed up $20 million and two first-round picks if you use those properly. And sure, that can be a big if. That helps you with the offensive side of the ball. And then you're saying, well, then you don't have Von Miller to pin his ears back. Well, you at least give yourself a chance because you know the past four years having Von Miller pin his ears back gets you losing records. And that is not on Von Miller, but it is just about constructing the team and how the team is constructed. But the point of the, but the point is though you can't do it the court, can't do it without the quarterback. You've got to get the quarterback right. There, if you don't get the rest of it right, you, nothing is going to succeed as you want it to on a team-wide level but that doesn't mean that you don't play pay, pay players at other positions and it doesn't and, and it doesn't mean that you don't pay somebody who meant who meant so much to you climbing out of a 4 and 12 abyss to eventually winning a Super Bowl probably right there with Peyton Manning in terms of importance as far as where the where the Broncos went and if the Broncos look if the Broncos had gotten quarterback right we're not having this discussion but if the Mace, Broncos, who, if the who, Broncos had had gotten had 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 something better at the quarterback position by 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 2018, let's okay, let's say for example that even in 2018 that they were in a position to where they would have gone after Kirk Cousins and gotten him 
instead of, say, instead of Case Keenum. Von Miller was lobbying for Kirk Cousins, by the way, openly lobbying yep, at, sure on was. Radio Row Super Bowl week in Minneapolis for the Broncos to sign Kirk Cousins. And then I think this whole, then the whole equation ends up looking a lot different. They didn't, but that doesn't mean you don't pay, you don't pay a guy who is, who is one of the best at what he, at what he does as an edge rusher. It doesn't mean that you wasted money on Von Miller because you you did pay somebody who is incredibly meaningful to your franchise, a Mount Rushmore player okay. in Broncos history. Two two things. And these things they may not have bottom line value, but they do matter. Two in, what, in terms of the core of what you are as a franchise. Two things really quick. You, you keep mentioning the, this um, emotional attachment and this, this value with Von Miller. And I thought a lot about that yesterday. And what memories, did, when you think of Von Miller, what memories do you think of? I, I think of his second season. I think of him with Doomerville. I think of him with DeMarcus Ware. And of course, you think of 2015 and the Super Bowl run. I think 90% of the memories that you have are during his rookie contract. Uh, maybe 10% are from the last four years. So if you move and on keep, from those in the last four years, you're, he's still Vaughn Miller. He, when he comes back to, to, uh, to go in the ring of fame for the Broncos while he's wearing his gold jacket, he is still Vaughn Miller. You, I don't think he lose much of that value at all and, and that, uh, that emotion. He's still Vaughn Miller. And if he goes somewhere where they do figure out the quarterback and he's, and because of that, he's, he's playing from ahead and he's racking and he's racking up 13 or 14 sack seasons. And all of a sudden the world is remembering him for another, for being with another team rather than being with the Denver Broncos. He's not yours. You're not talking about retiring his Jersey when he's a, when he's a first ballot player, you're talking about having to share his legacy with somebody else. These, I'm sorry, these things do you can't quantify them in dollar values, but they do they do matter. They matter for what people feel in their gut and their heart as being a part of Broncos country. Sure, and I get that, but if that's going to I think it's funny. It, I'm the one making this making the argument from the heart here, and you're the one making the logical argument. <laughs> I was gonna say, if if that's going to hurt the way you construct your team for half a decade moving forward, then I think it, it's a poor move. And Mace Mace my last You know what you know what hurt more? You know what hurt more was flushing money down the toilet to Donald Stevenson. Of course Menelik Watson Mace. Case Keenum Joe Flacco. At least Von Miller has given you has, has given you some very some good to very good seasons. Of At course, least he's been a, a pro bowler. At least he was an all pro in that time. Of course. And Mace, like I've said, this is not I'm not saying Von Miller's the worst move that they've made. By absolutely not. I'm saying, like I said, to to start this. There are so many moves that not just the Broncos, but every losing team uh, probably shouldn't have made. And my, my final point to this, Mace, is, you know, it's clear that and both of us agree that they, they needed the quarterback. You, you have to have the quarterback in order to succeed long term. No doubt about that. Who was the most valuable uh, trade asset or commodity that the Broncos had in 2016? The most, well, the most valuable trade asset is always your best player. 
And so that's Von Miller. That doesn't mean you trade him. That doesn't mean you trade. That doesn't mean that your most valuable asset. Your most valuable. I answered your question. Your most valuable asset is your best player. I answered it. So just because you didn't like the answer, I answered it. No, who was it? I said, I said, your most, your most valuable, your best player is your most valuable asset. Thus, it was Von Miller. But that doesn't mean you trade him. But Mace, I'm so that's sorry. I am, I am, I'm, I am sick of this argument. I am sorry. I am. Well, Mace, I said, I said this is my last point. Who, it was Von because Miller in 2016. Well, who was it in 2017? Von Miller. Who was it in 2018? Von Miller. And last year, I think it was Von Miller. As well, your most valuable, so, your most valuable asset is Justin Simmons. Okay, and, last, again, okay, okay. But you've been getting, but you've been getting good production. It doesn't, it doesn't mean you trade him. I, I'm sorry, I don't want to run a team the way you want to run teams. That I really Mace, don't, Mace, because that's so, because this is the sort of thing that would piss fans off over and over because they would get attachment to a player, they would buy his jersey, they would love him, and then you know what? Oh, he's at his peak. We give him it. He's won his MVP. Let's send him packing. You know what? That's the way that loser small budget baseball franchises operate a guy gets good and all of a sudden you send him along and you're no, and i don't know and, and the broncos aren't shouldn't be there but no but the broncos shouldn't operate like that mace that's a totally different conversation because i'm not saying trade von miller uh to salary dump no i'm, I'm saying sorry, three, I, but that's three, that's what you're, mace, mace, that's what mace. you're suggesting mace, you're, can you're you, suggesting no. play, training him at his peak not for a salary dump to, because that's, we just that's said basically what you're saying that's basically what you're saying you're saying he's not worth the money so get rid of him no i'm saying he's your most valuable asset oh my. and clearly the team was constructed uh, uh not in a winning way and he's your most valuable asset three of the past four years so you need that quarterback you need that thing to to, to help your team win because clearly the way it was constructed wasn't built like that then He's the guy that you have to move on from. That's all I'm saying. I love Von Miller, and I, I'm Doesn't happy seem that like he's. Doesn't like you do. <laughs> I no, Sorry. I Doesn't I under, seem like you do. No, Mace, I understand how good he is. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. All right. Yeah, it's yeah. I'm. I. Uh, this is just. I mean, this is. I, I'm sorry. No offense, Zach. But I think you're. I think you're crazy on this. I think it's a fantastic. I think it's a fantastic debate. Uh, I personally yeah. love it. Looking at both you're, sides you're, you're, and being sa- able to go back and forth. Like so, yeah, but you're sounding like some some certain fans in this market <laughs> when you're talking about trading Von Miller. <laughs> I I don't think so. I think I've seen a losing team three of the past four years, Mason, and, and, and that's why I'm saying he, I would do things differently. He, and he's been one of the the few good things about this team. If you're if you want to if you want to rebuild a losing team, you don't you don't start by getting by getting rid of the best aspects of it. You start by get you start by getting rid of the guys who are the reasons why you're losing. Well, Bob Miller's sense. not a reason why they're losing. I view it a different way. I say you have to do things differently. And sometimes in order to do things differently, you have to use the best assets you have to get better in a different way. Yeah, but that's next one. You, next one's for you. Use Mace. the assets you can. You can. You can get. You can live without. You can't. You haven't. You can't live without Von Miller. Clint Lockula, more flea flickers. Love the count. Yeah, I'm <laughs> for that. I can do it, man. Especially with this receiving core, I'm all about that. Mark Shippers well, coming in. Says- the, the key to a flea flicker is, is having the run game that makes teams take it seriously when you hand the ball off. So you right. actually have that with the guys that you've got in Gordon and Lindsey. 
You do. You certainly do. Mark Shippers comes in and says, hey, buddies, I have a question about the DNVR bar. What size are the subscriber beers? Are we talking 20 ounce versus like 16 ounce for that peasant, for, for the peasants or what? I'll have to find, come to find out, I reckon. Yeah, we're talking over 20 ounces compared to the 16 ounces there, Mark Shippers. Well, they're, they're, and it's the same price, right? Yep, exactly. So you, get more, you get more for your money. That's, that's the key thing that uh, you get a little more beer for your money when you're a subscriber. So you have enough beers, then you're basically paying for subscription as though the t-shirt hadn't already helped you pay for that subscription. So yep. that's something to consider. Onion booty Bronco. Guys, this Vaughn Miller hate speech needs to end. Here's the disrespectful truth for your mucky earlobes and cataract-laden eyeballs. In 2018, the season before last, one Vaughn Miller had his second-highest sack total, second-highest forced fumble total, highest fumble recovery total, fourth-highest QB hit total, and more tackles and tackles for loss than he had in his illustrious 2015 season. This underscores how Vaughn is not far at all removed from one of his best seasons ever. We're talking about a first-ballot Hall of Famer here, y'all. Yes, Vaughn had a piss-poor 2019 season adjusting to a new scheme, a very complex one, yet he's still an absolute freak of nature game wrecker and dictator of offensive scheming he's also more motivated than ever to rectify the disappointment of last season don't tell me no pop long re referencing sir covid's disease will slow him down he's a world-class athlete for strawberry nutella crepes sake let's also not forget that his teams this past four seasons have been a fit for a wastebasket very little help from his peers and coaches sad let's also also not forget vaughn gets double and triple teamed on more occasions than not yes the man gets paid a lot of money as he should 2019 was his false sunset Turn your forking brains on. Wilting like a flower with rain raindrop on its wings, Onion Booty. I think uh, Onion Booty, I know you were trying to uh, argue against me, but I think you just strengthened my argument there by laying out just how good of a player he is. And in fact, how good he's been these past four years. And it hasn't mattered. It hasn't mattered. And like I said, um, you know, to end the last conversation that we had about this was because he's so valuable, that's an asset that you could have used to help your team in, in, in another way, because clearly no matter how good he was, it didn't matter. You didn't have the right for, formula on the team. What would the Broncos have had to do for it to matter? What do you mean? Like accomplish. What would the Broncos have had to accomplish as a team for what Von Miller did to matter in your eyes? Uh, be a winner. Like, no, what do you mean winner? Playoffs, Super Bowl, what level? What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, play above 500. How about that? Above 500. Okay, fine. If, 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 you can, if you can look back, and this is hindsight 2020 again, Mace, and I think that's what some people are, are overlooking. I don't know why you would make, why you would stand by so 90% of the moves that NFL teams with losing records make. That's all I'm saying. There are other, yeah, and there are, and there are a lot of moves on the Broncos I would change. Like I said, I'd let yeah, that but, argument but off no, with But that. no, but I'm not changing Von Miller. I, the, the moves I'm changing are the ones that clearly didn't work. The moves I'm changing are the ones that were, that were taking millions of dollars and flushing it down the toilet. I'm not, the, I'm not, the move I'm not making involves the guy who has been productive. Okay, and that's, and that's fair. I, I think yeah. – I, I understand everyone's not going to agree with me, but yeah. it, it's not me saying Von Miller isn't good, and I think that's important that everyone listens to the full conversation. 
Next one coming in from the Big T. Thanks, guys. I was a bit nervous about my last post on the pod. Always tend to get a bit worried how people will react when I bring up the divisive V word. As alas, a lot of our kind gives us a bad name. Stupid vegans. Hey, Big T, I'm right there with you. I'm not, not a vegan, but I eat vegetarian most of the time. So uh, I'm right there with you. Who's giving, who's giving him flat, who's giving him bad words? Who's saying bad things about vegans? Oh, he's, he's just saying that he was nervous because other okay. people do, not in this community. He oh, says, Tomase, okay. as you probably know, brown sauce is popular over here. I always thought Yorkshire relish was just a local type of brown sauce to those that doff flat caps with whippets and say, Eba gum. <laughs> I know it comes in both a thick and thin variety, but a shame to say I have never tried it. The thin one is like Worcestershire sauce without the anchovies, isn't it? And the thick, I always assume, was just like the HP sauce, which I tentatively say you guys call A1 sauce over there. Not been to the States in a while, but I am planning a trip to the bar soon. Although my wife wants to road trip to CenturyLink for Mile High too, so could get expensive. More advice, more advice required next year on that one and could delay the trip. You guys nailed the pats on the head with your assessments too. I immediately thought that Bill had no intention of letting Cam play, and it was 100% done just to cover up. Uh, could have been Cap or Tebow too, L-M-A-O. Quick thought, on the cheating front, you guys remember our first two Super Bowls, an asterisk on our beloved record too, just pointing out for balance. Don't hate me. Love you guys, the big D. Yep, the Broncos did have some salary cap <sighs> malfeasance. Yeah, they certainly. won their two Super Bowls. No one's hands are swimming in ivory liquid. The one thing I will say, though, is that the Broncos didn't keep repeating their malfeasance. Whereas with the Patriots, we see a pattern of this that happening over and over and over again. That's yep. that's the difference between the between the Broncos and the Patriots. Right. Although there's, have you ever heard? Have you ever heard of the website yourteamcheats.com? Yeah, <laughs> no. I'm pretty sure it was set up by a Patriots fan because a lot of it is basically trying to prove that uh, like they're trying to defend what they did by saying, well, your team cheats as well. And the one that they go after the most is the Broncos. Yeah. <laughs> this was kind of at the height of, of Peyton versus Tom when Brady was a, when a Peyton was a Denver Bronco. So that's uh, the other thing on the sauce. Yeah. A1 is not HP sauce because HP has a little bit of a – not quite like your relish, but there's a little bit of a fruity fruitiness and a sweetness to it. And A1 is just kind of, you know, it's kind of bold. It's, it's, it's savory more than sweet. So that's why. Interesting. Yeah. And, guys, before we go any further, I got to tell you about WGT Golf – it's been my favorite game for almost a decade now. And I want you to play along with me and the DNVR community because we don't just have one clubhouse. We have two clubhouses going on because so many people of you guys wanted to play with us. And so we want everyone to join in. Heck, maybe we have to make a DNVR 3 clubhouse. So what you do, download the app at dnvrgolf.com. That, let, that lets uh, WGT know that you want to play with us. So go to dnvrgolf.com download the app and then go to clubhouses and search for dnvr2 just the number two after dnvr in order to find their clubhouse we had a fun a fun uh, tournament this past week where it was dnvr1 versus dnvr2 
clubhouse and we're going to have many more of these fun tournaments every other week coming up and guys one of the awesome things about wgt and why i like it so much is how realistic it is and you get to play on famous courses like pebble beach st andrews bandon dunes wolf creek and so many more you get to play head to head with people in our community and it is so much fun so check them out at dnvrgolf.com that is wgt golf oh man i need a drink don't yeah. you need a drink, Zach? <laughs> Me too, Mace. We need we need a we need a a, a uh, you know a, we need a, a a peace offering. So we need some beverages. We need them quick. And when you need beverages and you need them quick, and you're in the Denver area, there's nothing better than Davidson's Liquors with its two locations in Centennial and Highlands Ranch. You've got so many ways to make sure you can get your booze from Davidson's. Of course, you can go to one of their stores. They're open, proper social distancing. Of course, walk in, wear a mask. Any help you need, the staff will provide it if you're there. But if you're more comfortable with having it delivered or having it brought to your car, no problem. Use the app that you can download. And by the way, you can also uh, get sign up for the loyalty program and get daily deals on their app. You can get it delivered right to your house or you can go down to Davidson's after you've made your order online and they'll bring it out to your car. I have done the curbside pickup. I've gone in the store over the last couple of months, been able to get what I need to keep making those Moscow meals. I'll make you a mule sack that uh, put a smile on your face if that's, <laughs> if that's what you want. So make sure you get down to Davidson's and Centennial or Highlands Ranch and don't forget they will get that 15-can Breckenridge Brew Sampler delivered to your door. But if they don't have what you want in the showroom, if they don't have what you want on the app, reach out to them. If you go, to the, if you go down to Centennial Highlands Ranch, talk to their staff. They, you can request products that they, will be, that they will order for you and make sure they take care, make sure they get for you. And they'll find some obscure stuff for you. I've got a cider that I love out of Michigan that's very hard to find, but you can get it there at Davidson's. Davidson Centennial and Highlands Ranch. Remember, supporting our partners is supporting us. Next one coming in from Ooh Benny Lava. Hey, brothers. Got to say, I couldn't agree more with RK on the Cam Newton debate. The Broncos 20,000, or 2016 season with old noodle arm Trev should serve as an accurate barometer for what the Pats could look like this year. No disrespect, Zach. I also loved Trevor when he was with the Broncos and still wish we had him as our backup. Me too, Benny Lava. The Broncos team looked so good, and or the Broncos team looked good in a lot of those games, but also looked hopeless in others when their defense couldn't carry the load. So I think 8-8 eight and eight is a good bet with either Stidham or Newton at the helm. Now, a couple of questions. And, ooh, Benny Lava, I mean, I, I don't really completely agree with you there. I think um, the Patriots can be better than 500 with cam but i'm not saying that you know they're the super bowl favorites now by any means and i don't think mace is saying that either no and i think I, the prediction i put on them was nine and seven i mean they're they look like a second place team battling for a wild card spot and it's possible that the third wild card in each conference being added this year could be what saves the patriots and keeps their playoff streak alive it also could it also could be a scenario where that week five game ends up deciding who goes to the playoffs, either the Patriots or the Broncos. That that game to me becomes a lot bigger now. It was already big for the Broncos. It becomes bigger now because of what could be on the line. Mm, uh, yeah, that that's true. He says now a couple of questions. 
what is the Pats record if Newton starts all 16 games and if Stidham starts all 16 games? Okay, so if Cam Newton starts all 16 games, that implies that he's healthy. Right. So nine and seven or 10 and six. Uh, if Cam Newton starts all 16 games, I'm going 11 and five. And okay. uh, just maybe I'm crazy for giving Bill Belichick the benefit of the doubt, but I don't feel crazy giving Bill Belichick the benefit of the doubt for what he's done. We're going to find out in the next couple of years if it was Brady, Belichick, both, uh, neither. Maybe it's a combination of them. We'll find out. But until then, I'll give the, the, the uh, benefit of the doubt to maybe the greatest coach of all time. You know what could be absolutely maddening? What? If, if what you said happens and the Pats go 11-5, and five, but the Broncos also go 11-5, and five, and yet Bill Belichick gets coach of the year and not Vic Fangio. <laughs> yep, yep, that would be maddening. I totally That would agree. be terrible. And but, man, it, it, but couldn't you see that happening? Yeah, oh, definitely. Because of the Bill's reputation. Yep, 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 yep. because he's been overlooked for so many years, too. Oh, my gosh. Dude, yeah. do you guys see Richard Sherman's comments about Cam's deal? I don't understand why Sherman thinks he has such an intimate knowledge of what every player is worth in the league. The market dictates the player's price. I was asked about this yesterday, and I said what I'll tell you, Zach. Richard Sherman failed, has failed to account for the general atmosphere of this offseason and Cam Newton's injuries. Because if Cam could have gotten physicals back in March, I don't think the scenario works out as it did for him. But teams couldn't bring him in for the physicals, couldn't get him examined, he was coming off the injuries that was going to affect his value that that had more to do with with his contract being what it was than anything else i don't think there's any malfeasance i don't think there's any i don't think there's any negative perception of cam beyond the fact that he's hurting and he's and and, he, and before he finally left the stage to recover from those injuries he didn't have the same velocity on the football he wasn't throwing in the same way and everything bore that out in 2018. Right. And on top so. of that, I believe David Tepper early, early in the offseason was asked what Cam Newton's future is with, with the Panthers. Mm -hmm. And he said, if he's healthy, it, it, he said it all depends on no. his health. Telling me if he's healthy, he's going to be the starting quarterback for the Panthers. If he's not, well, he's not going to be on the team. And they released him. And that, along with everything else you said, Mace, it's, it's hard for a team to take a big gamble. Uh, on a quarterback that's hurt and then you can't really check him out yourself that's tough uh and then yeah, he I, goes on and says four if you guys could have dinner with any fictional character who would you choose mine would be gandalf oh um <laughs> wow this is tough i don't even know where to start oh man well unfortunately we're past 2015 because my uh choice for dinner for a while would for any fictional character would have been uh, either Marty McFly or Biff Tan in the 2015 version, so I could get my hands on Gray Sports Almanac and place a few bets. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I don't know. Oh man, that's tough. I I have no idea where to go. I'm just trying to even think. Uh, you know, you said Gandalf, so I'm I'm kind of stuck in that world right now. Yoda. Man. Star Wars. <laughs> there we go. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> what right. about uh, what about a superhero? Well, it, who is the most entertaining superhero personality-wise? Because like 
like Superman, I mean, obviously he's the uber superhero, right. but he's not that interesting of a personality. Right, right. Um, what was, uh, oh man, I'll think of it later in the show and say when I can think of it, when I can remember. But yeah, you're right. I mean, that, that, that would just be like cool to meet Superman, but it wouldn't be the greatest conversation necessarily. Yeah. Now, I mean, and Bruce Wayne, it'd be like, you know, be a pretty tough nut to crack there <laughs> as, a, yes, as Batman. Um, I think uh, Peter Parker Spider-Man would be a good conversation. Okay, you do? Interesting. Yeah. He was always smart, always into science, you know, That's things true. like that. So It's true. It's true. All right. No Broncos question day. Sorry for the long one. Much love, fam. Now, Greek 15. Hey, fam, hope all is well with everyone during these trying times. Well, I think if Zach and I just don't talk about Vaughn, it will be great. <laughs> Sorry in advance for the long comment. I've been playing catch up with the pod the last few weeks because I've been overwhelmingly busy at work and home lately. But from the words of Zach, we're back, baby. There we go. Finally all caught up. Also, my username as Greek15 is no relation to the OG Steve Greek Antonopoulos. It was a nickname given me by, by my former friends with whom I served in the Army. My family is of Hispanic ethnicity, and my last name is Griego, which is Spanish for Greek. Being that my unit was based in New Mexico, a large part of my unit was Hispanic and spoke Spanish as their first language. It was also easier for our non-Hispanic soldiers to refer to me as Greek because they couldn't pronounce my name correctly. This birth, my radio call in sign, call sign is Greek. 15 was just a high school football number. But hearing you guys reference Top Gun and Maverick yesterday got me thinking, if you could give each other a call sign, what would it be? Remember, call signs are given to you and not created for yourself. Excited to head to what y'all come up with. Have a great one, guys, and take care. <laughs> I like this. I like this a lot, Greek15, and, and welcome. Happy to hear you uh, chime in. May, so we can't give ourselves our own call names, right? Right. So, oh, man. Someone's got to be Pop-Tart, right? <laughs> Maybe that's Ryan. Yeah, well, who's Salmon? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I guess you can't give it to yourself, so I guess I'll be Salmon. Salmon. You would have to be Professor. No, no. (laughs) Uh, Gosh, I'd have to be. Is there a one-word way of describing, like, a mad scientist, like, someone who's just crazy, nuts? I don't know. (laughs) You're not crazy or nuts. (laughs) Oh, I don't know. I feel bad because I got so into it. People are going to listen to you and I argue about Von Miller and think we hate each other. I just got. <laughs> no, we love each I other. I just got. Car- yeah, it's not. Uh, it's not personal. We just got carried away. Um, oh boy, I don't know. I, I, well, you know what? I'll leave it to the listeners to come up with something. How about that? Hey, I like that. But maybe the listeners for, will come up with something for all of us. Yeah, professor. I don't know. The problem is that sounds. It sounds too elevated, you know. I, 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 I'm kind of modest on that. I can't really <laughs> accept that. So. I know that's why I gave it to you. And uh, okay. and and speaking of uh, kind of, you mentioned like kind of wacky and stuff. The, I, I remembered the fictional character uh, in Deadpool. Have you seen the Deadpool the movie, Mace? No, I have not. So kind of a, a kind of a superhero in a way but just a hilarious character wade wilson played by ryan reynolds maybe that's the fictional character that i'd want to meet because it's just very very entertaining next wait the character's name the character's name wade wilson yep like the old viking quarterback 
<laughs> yeah. <How> about that. <laughs> am I right? Aramarillo says steak comes with its own sauce. Too many people cook it out. It's called blood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when you put it like you know, that, that makes me uh, want to go vegan. <laughs> I'm guessing that Am I Right or Amarillo is a, a, a rare steak guy. It sounds like it. Yeah. My, my wife likes rare steaks. I actually, I'm not a well-done steak person, but I've got to have it cooked a little bit more. It's got to be like to medium rare or medium because I just can't, I can't do too much blood anymore. Yeah. I was actually, I was finding that like rare steaks, I learned that uh, the last couple of times I had them, I got sick. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You I take that gamble. Yeah, I think my GI system has uh, has aged to the point where I can't have rare steak anymore. I don't. I wonder so. how much uh, Amaretta or Amarillo is even cooking it. I mean, if it's if it's that bloody, maybe it's like rare, rare. Well, what you can do, like if you're going to do rare really perfectly, you want to quickly get a sear on the steak, right. and so you actually you've actually got the grill as high as it can go, and so you get that sear but you're kind of locking in all the juices on it. And it's actually like, if you're doing a rare filet mignon, you're not cooking it for very long. Right. Right. Yep. So. But you got man, crispy outside, little juicy inside. I can do with that for sure. Thick Fangio says the Crowder butter is pronounced Croider booter. Did I get that right? Nice. Croider booter. And as his Croider booter. <laughs> there we go. And makes sense why I can't find it in the U S <laughs> since I'm apparently looking for herb butter in a foreign language that d is really freaking good andrew mason nice t-shirt idea that d i hope is we're saying really that good. i hope we're saying that this year <laughs> if the broncos have a number one have a number one or number two ranked defense i'd i'd go for that in a shirt i certainly would too <laughs> dan yep. burke says steve how or you, you get it, Nate Mace. Yeah, we got Steve Atwater, Hall of Famer. Not trying to be political, but racial and cultural changes need to happen in this country, and I'm happy to see sports taking the lead on the issue in many instances. I am specifically curious about Mace's take on the Braves' removal of the tomahawk chop if the Chiefs will follow suit in the near future. Morals and ethics have not been at the top of their priority list, which is evident by their personnel decisions. But it's the small changes like this that really show a commitment to a much-needed paradigm shift when it comes to cultural and racial insensitivity. Not entirely sports-related, but a converse, it's a conversation that needs to take place in the off-season. Well, I mean, I'm actually sitting here wearing a Braves jacket right now as we record this. So it's, I think it's appropriate to discuss, and I think the Tomahawk shop in Atlanta needs to go. And I think it's something that is needed to go for a long time. I was actually hoping that when they went into the new stadium in 2017, they would use that as an opportunity to get rid of it, but they didn't. Right. It's, it's, it's a, it's a few decades past it's, it's time anyway. It's something that the Braves should retire and the chiefs should retire as well. The, the thing is it's, I think you can, ha I think you can have a name, a nickname that is like rooted in, in native America but is more respectful. Like I think the chiefs could get rid of the Tomahawk chop and then could keep their, they, they could keep their arrowhead logo, keep their name. And what they have done in Kansas city, they refer to it as chief's kingdom. And part of that is because in Africa, you had kingdoms that were led by tribal chiefs. Mm. So it's taken 
taken on so it's taken on multiple me, multiple meanings and so I think it, I think it would be appropriate for both these teams to retire the tomahawk chop. What I'd like to actually wouldn't mind seeing the Braves do is just re, even though I've yeah and I've know I got a tomahawk on my jacket here. I'd be fine if this jacket was made an antique and they just retired the tomahawk as part of their look entirely. They actually have a a very nice alternate uniform that just had that is cream colored and it says Braves instead of a tomahawk on the front. It just has the number uh, the player's number on the front of the jersey. It's it would be a very easy change for them to make. I yeah. think they I think and then sort of imply that Braves is you know more more for other is more about other things. Heck, they could drop the S off the name. They could just be the Brave. Right. And there was a Disney movie called that. There's there there are ways that it can be done. It's 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 time for it's time to make those changes. I think. Yeah, I think that's very well said, and I think that there needs to be uh, a change with the Washington Redskins as well. Um, oh, and that's long overdue. Now, what would you do, Zach? Would you change the nickname and keep the the logo, or would you try to change all of it? I'd just change it all. Okay. Just 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 change it all. Do it in, in one clean uh, swoop. Because what? Why are you holding on to it now? It was interesting. Like Ron Rivera did an interview earlier this week. And he said it's not the right time to discuss it. Ron, now, Ron Rivera has been out front on a lot of things in the last several months. And he's been speaking from a, a perspective of conscience. But I really think he dropped the ball by saying now is not the right time. I think now is the perfect time to discuss it. Yeah. 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 It's, it is the perfect time to discuss it, if, if not uh, past due. But, yeah, mm-hmm. shouldn't wait any longer. Next one coming in from Dan Burke. Do y'all think it's a coincidence that the Colts drafted Michael Pittman Jr., who is and was frequently compared to Cortland Sutton, although Sutton is better, after Sutton worked Rocky Sin during their last game last year? You'd think more teams would draft players that remind them of other players they found hard to defend, but I don't think it's happened as much as it should. Like, how many years did it take for the Broncos to draft an athletic tight end with any urgency? Waiting until the fifth round for Jake Butt doesn't count, despite giving up big plays to them for years. It's kind of like how the Fangio draft. It's kind of like how the Fangio drafted a fast, quick slot receiver in Hamler after his defense, specifically Chris Harris Jr., gave up big plays to guys like John Brown, T.Y. Hilton, Tyreek Hill, Michael Hardman, etc., etc. That's an awesome point, yeah. and. I I agree a hundred percent because human nature says we're all, we're all shaped by the experiences we have. Well, the Colts surely were shaped a little bit in terms of their game planning by how a big target like Cortland Sutton absolutely worked Rocky Yassin. It was amazing. And it, and in that game, how I believe it was 75% of the time that Cortland Sutton was targeted it moved the chains either via penalty or via Cortland Sutton reception, which is why when you had that third down late, one play to kind of to, to salt it away, I was aghast that Cortland Sutton was not targeted because yeah. there were two ways to get it done, a short catch or a Rocky scene penalty. Yeah. So I, I think that's absolutely a good point. The other thing with Pittman in particular, you also want a, a receiver whose skill set complements what you have with T.Y. Hilton, and he does that very well. Right. 
Yep. Yep. He does. He does. That's a fantastic point, Dan Burke. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe it wasn't a coincidence at all. Onion Town Link says, hey, guys, sorry for the double comment, but I was wondering if you think Pat Shermer will introduce more RPOs into the offense. Maybe in the backfield you have K.J. Hamler and Philip Lindsay and work off that. At that point, you still have Noah Fant, Jerry Judy, and Cortland Sutton to deal with, so it isn't as if teams could have anything but three corners on the field. I guess what I'm trying to say is what does the Broncos' offense look like this year? Would Pat Shermer make an offense that looks this deadly for its entire team with its entire team on the field? What is the position that you would be least affected by the starters getting injured? I'd say wide receiver two, because if Judy goes down, holy cow, I'm touching wood. KJ is still there. So you're not losing the talent you had before in my eyes. Thanks for indulging my comments this morning, my dudes. Links. Okay, let's take that one by one. Uh, talk about the, the RPOs. Do you, how much do you want to see of those from Pat Shermer in the offense this year? Definitely like to see it incorporated, but, um, you know, it's certainly not going to be a focal point of the offense. It needs to be an element. I agree. Not a focal point, but an element. Okay. Would Pat Shermer make an offense that looks this deadly for its entire time on the field? That looks this deadly. Um, they're not going to have all of their weapons on the field every single time. Mm-hmm. I think they absolutely have to incorporate that. And I would do it. Uh, a significant amount. But what we know is they're going to run a three wide receiver set, which is probably going to include Noah Fant in that group a lot of the time. What? Uh, more times than not, just based off Pat Shermer. So that's just realistically what they're going to do. Okay. So you mentioned three wide receivers. So what position is least affected by the starter getting hurt? And I think three wide has an impact on my perspective on this, but I want to hear yours. Is it running back? That's my answer. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm doing that. I think I'm going there as well because you just straight up have two Pro Bowl running backs on the team right mm-hmm. now. Because if Jerry Judy goes down, KJ Hamler then steps up, but then you're playing Tim Patrick a lot more. You're playing Deshaun Hamilton. I think it's it's a drop off thing in terms yeah. of what you lose. And I and certainly I, and the other thing. I would certainly say this tight end is definitely not in the discussion because if Noah Fant goes down unless Albert O is all the way there right away, you lose a dynamic element. If you lose Noah Fant, especially given where I expect him to go this year. So. Right. I, I totally, totally agree. All right. The other Ryan, my boys. <laughs> Here's what may be an unpopular hot take of the day. I think that Josh McDaniels is a better play designer and caller than RK is giving him credit for. While in Denver, the Broncos had the 15th and 13th ranked offenses in the league. McDaniels was probably the best play designer and caller the Broncos have had in the past decade besides Peyton Manning leading the offense. The Broncos could have paired their 09 and 2010 offenses with their defenses in 16 through 19. They probably make the playoffs. I can see that McDaniels did a terrible job with the Rams offense in 2011 and obviously he did not treat many people and players well in Denver, made some very questionable personnel decisions, as well as other poor choices. To continue the discussion on relishes and steak sauces, the peppercorn <laughs> sauce at Cattleman Steakhouse in Oklahoma City needs to be added to the list. Finally, it's a no for me on Von Miller changing his jersey number from 58 to 40. It feels very gimmicky to me. There's no one close in Broncos history to accomplish what Miller has in that number. Granted, the Broncos have not had many players, stellar players to wear the number 40, but Miller and Denver are synonymous with 58. To me, the number 40 in Denver will always be tainted by Dale Carter. Say John Elway, when Miller was drafted, I thought it was great that Vaughn is wearing number 58. I know he really likes Denver 
or Derek Thomas. Have a terrific Tuesday, and don't forget to vote if you haven't already done so. DNV Army, salute. Yes, great reminder. It is primary day in a couple of states, including Colorado today, so make sure to get out and vote. Hit those polls. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's so hard to talk about Josh McDaniels here in Denver just because, understandably so, the, the feelings toward him. Um, I think it's hard to discount what he can do with, with offenses. Now, you can say some of that was Belichick. You can say a lot of it was Brady, and there's probably some truth to that. But um, it's hard for me to say he's not a good offensive mind. In fact, I talked to, uh, uh, to someone this offseason in the league, and they said they have never talked to uh, – they, they've never been around uh, a more brilliant offensive mind than Josh McDaniels. He just yeah. isn't a right guy to be a leader, in, in my opinion. Yeah, and if the Patriots do ultimately decide to replace Belichick with McDaniels whenever that time comes that Darth Belichick goes, uh, go, goes off into the, uh, the, the cave of the dark side, when the, if that happens, they actually hope that Josh McDaniels has the same kind of growth that Bill Belichick had. Of course, Belichick was the Browns head coach. There were missteps that he made at the time. And then he did a lot better in New England. Of course, having a great quarterback had a lot to do with that because he had Tom Brady. And, and McDan- you know what? The thing with McDaniels, when I look back on the offenses that he had with the Broncos, he short-circuited himself because having offenses that were at least competitive and capable of moving the ball through the air despite having Kyle Orton, you know what? That's great. But it could have been better if, they'd, if he'd hung on to Jay Cutler. <laughs> yes, it certainly could have. Yeah, if they if if Jay Cutler, if Josh McDaniels had found a way to work with Jay Cutler and made that work, that would have I mean, that would have worked out better for both of them. Yeah. That was a lost opportunity. Yep, for everyone involved. Yeah. I totally anyway. totally agree. Kirk Smith 44. Sorry, day late on this comment, but I have to disagree with you guys on thinking Denver at the first or second best off season. Yes, they should be in the top 10, but not one or two. Also, re-signing players should matter. Signing or re-signing makes no difference. You have the player or you don't. So here is my top five. Denver should be five. The draft class is awesome, but that's what it is, a draft class. These guys need to play before you can mention how great we did. However, the other moves still make it top five. Jarrell, Boyer, Harris, Simmons, et cetera. Arizona is number four. Getting rid of David Johnson for possibly the best receiver in the league. That's a huge win. Baltimore at three, Calais Campbell can help them get over the hump, and they kept their team intact, pushing for a Super Bowl. Tampa at two, Tom Brady, say no more. But here's where everyone is missing the mark. The best offseason was a Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. They get Watkins to restructure his deal, franchise tag, Chris Jones, and lose no one who really matters. They weren't picked clean like other Super Bowl champions of years past. You throw that in the end that the NFL didn't have real OTAs because of COVID. Teams can't improve in jail to prepare for the upcoming season if there is one. That's why they're the biggest winners. Sorry, yeah. my Bronco friends. I think the that's a great argument for the Chiefs. And uh, yeah. now they didn't bring anyone in, so it's a little different of a conversation in that terms, outside of the draft, of course. But, I mean, yeah, they somehow kept um, Watkins uh, and Chris Jones, two players they easily could have lost, haven't paid Patrick Mahomes yet. So, yeah, there's an argument there. Like I said, I put uh, – Tampa Bay above the Broncos. So sure, I could see the Broncos at two or three and Baltimore had a very good off season. Arizona, very good off season as well. 
Um, and I understand that it's not going to be Broncos at two or Brian saying Broncos had the best offseason ever and the conversation's done. It's a conversation. Yeah, and Kirk Smith, I think your point is something I've pondered a little bit over the last couple of months. Think about what a normal offseason looks like for a Super Bowl champion. It, it involves the roster being picked a little bit in free agency. It involves guys making all these appearances, basically basking in the Super Bowl limelight. It involves ring ceremony. It involves sometimes going to the White House. All of these things that can distract a little bit. And the Chiefs didn't have any of them. Yeah, none of it. So on the one hand, Maybe that maybe it's unfortunate they didn't get a chance for them. They didn't get a chance to bask in their title. But on the other hand, it probably is going to keep the egos from getting overly inflated. Uh, so that's a really yeah. good point. Oh man, because the Broncos did enjoy the off season after twenty six after twenty fifteen. Of course, they also had to change quarterbacks, and they lost Danny Trevathan, and they lost Malik Jackson. It was sort of everything kind of hitting, and they went from twelve and four to nine and seven. So yeah, 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 Kirk, the, you're probably on the mark. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> but you're right. At the same time, you had the drama and distraction of Von Miller not being in the off season program because you had him and <laughs> uh, fighting for with his franchise tag and a long term contract. You had him with Dancing with the Stars. I mean, he, he was on. He and and just honestly, he was on the off season of Von Miller. So there were there were plenty of distractions, and you don't see that with Chris Jones. You don't see that with Patrick Mahomes this off season. I forgot about the Dancing with the Stars thing, but of course, he did that while his franchise tag was unsigned. Right. So it's not like he would have been in Denver anyway, but yes. Right. You know, one of the things I also, I'll always remember about this Super Bowl trip, by the way, is when we were waiting to go into the, the White House and looking around and seeing Von Miller and John Elway deep in conversation as the Broncos were waiting to go to the White House to meet with President Obama. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, it, it, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't heated or anything like that, but it was just clearly, it was an exchange of ideas, kind of, mm. you know, <laughs> you know, not to the point, not to the point that uh, Zach and I got today, but you know what, I, by the way, I was thinking about this. I think if this subject ever comes up again, that we need to do the Ron Burgundy thing and disagree because you're not going to convince me that I'm right, and I'm not going to convince you that you're right. No, certainly, certainly. Or no, or no, you're not. Sorry, I got that messed up. You're not going to convince me you're right. I'm not going to convince you that I'm right. So we just have to say we have different takes on this and move on. Because... Oh, I, I completely agree, <laughs> and 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 I think I and and because in the end the Broncos didn't um, didn't move on from he's on the team, and like I said, he he's a he's a great person to have on this team. Um, and we've, we both laid out our arguments for it and it, it made for a great conversation. So I, I appreciate that Mason. I think last one coming in here from Broncos Sooners, New York Rangers. Hey guys, happy Tuesday. What, what was the first video game you guys remember playing? I think the first game I ever truly remember understanding and seeing was super Mario world old one, but a classic. The answer to this dates all of us. 
because mm. every whatever answer you give is going to basically identify what generation you're in. Right, right. So for me, it's Space Invaders on the Atari 2600. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that sounds like a blast. Mine was uh, mine was Blitz on the N64. Oh, okay. What team did you like to be on Blitz? Oh, I mean, how, how could you not be the Denver Broncos? Okay. Just, just they had, could, did, but the, was this right after Elway retired? I th- uh, yeah, I think so. But they still had, but I think there was a version of Blitz. I remember playing this, that it was right after Elway retired and they, and they basically put Bubby Brister in there because they expected yeah. he'd be the quarterback. But then your skill guys were, Rod Smith and Ed McCaffrey and Shannon Sharp and Trell Davis. And they were <laughs> yeah. still really good. Yeah. Yeah, they because were. Because of those guys. Man, what a fun game. Yeah. The, the, the other thing I remember about that is it came out and then I, when Blitz came out, the one I remember playing is the one that came out before the 99 season. And, um, and at the arcade in particular. And, you'd, and the Rams were exploding that year. It was the greatest show on turf. But Blitz didn't that that version of Blitz that I was playing did not reflect that. Right, they were right. Still crap. <laughs> yep. Oh man, <laughs> what a fun, uh, interesting Woo! pod we had, Mason. Before we get out of here, I got to tell you guys about Green Mountain Dental because they're the best damn family-owned dentistry in the metro area, and they're extreme Colorado sports fans just like all of us. So make sure to check them out. They're only a fifteen-minute drive from downtown Denver. And guys, if you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. That's right. All you have to do is take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental, not only to give you a cleaning, but to hand over a free Sonicare toothbrush. So give them a call and schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam at Green Mountain Dental. Well, Mace, like you just said, whew, man, we made it through. That was, that, that was a fun one. I absolutely loved yep. every conversation we had. Man, we pretty much had it all. We had laughs, <laughs> we had cries, we we had arguments, we, had arguing. we made up. <laughs> but it was fun, oh. and, and thank you so much for rolling with me, Mace. I, I have a blast and honored to work next to you. And uh, same Likewise. to all of our listeners, uh, all of you guys who join us on a daily basis and give us comments, tweet at us, uh, or just listen. It means a lot to us. So thank you guys so much. So for Andrew Mason, I'm Zach Stevens. Have a terrific Thursday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Waiting up for you Cause I could